Hello and welcome to the Hindu's Pali podcast with me Amit Barua your host for this episode. The recent rejection of Tamil Nadu's need bill by governor RN Ravi and the running battle between West Bengal governor Jagdeep Dhankar and chief minister Mamta Banerjee underline again the problematic role that governors play in Indian politics. To discuss this fault line I have with me today scholar academic and former governor of West Bengal Gopal Krishna Gandhi and Supreme Court advocate Shahdan Farasat welcome to the Hindus Pali podcast Mr Gandhi Mr Farasat thank you thank you for having me first to you Mr Gandhi what do you make of this battle between the West Bengal governor and chief minister can a state run if two constitutional functionaries are at loggerheads the situation in west bengal is uh, i would say a somewhat extreme example of a situation which has existed in many states over a period of time in india which is a situation of inherent tension between the governor who is appointed by the president and the state government headed by the popularly elected chief minister i would say in west bengal the governor and the chief minister could have shown their own respective perspectives both to each other and to the state the people of the state in a manner in which the two offices would not have been diminished having said that i should also say that it is in a way not surprising that in a democracy which has room for a non elected head of state and an elected head of government to have very different perspectives to things both legislative and administrative and of course to things political i believe it is perfectly possible for these different perspectives to be played out in a way that does not hurt each other or the institutions of the state and much depends therefore on the personalities involved i don't want to go into the personalities of the two leaders that we are talking about and i say leader very consciously even for the governor because the governor is head of state and he leads in many ways the political narrative the constitutional narrative and indeed the narrative of governance in the state because he or she heads the state and cannot but head the state without leading the state i want to take just a minute or two now to talk about a certain concept which governs the non-elected and the elected functionaries of the state s capital with india in view and state provinces and states in view the president of india is indirectly elected and is not seen as a person who has been elected he is seen more as a person who has assumed the office of president through a constitutional mechanism which is elective in a very technical sense but which is essentially beyond elections now the president has the opportunity the facility and the duty to look upon anything that comes before him with only the constitution in mind he is not obligated to anything other than the constitution which is to use president abdul kalam's phrase the integrated will of the people reflected in those words of the constitution and so the president can afford to take a view 
which is not popular either with the government or indeed with public opinion or with media opinion. The president also has the opportunity to go along the grain of public opinion. This is something President Narayanan very eloquently pointed out in an in a, in a interview which he had with Mr. N. Ram in the early years of the presidency. The president has to go along the grain of public opinion. And if the president goes along the grain of public opinion and is faithful to the letter and spirit of the constitution, there is no way in which the president's view can be ignored. If the president does not do one of the two, then the president is likely to be ineffective. So also the governor. And now to come back to West Bengal, conversations between the governor and the chief minister are supremely important. The conversations, I don't mean social conversations, though they have their own place, but I mean serious conversations one-to-one. They are extremely important and must precede, accompany and follow serious and important decisions, important negotiations, important analyses and decisions. When those break down, what happens? When those break down, what happens? The law is clear. We have a legal expert on this panel who will talk about this. But I just conclude by saying, the law is clear that the elected government has the final say on any matter. When and here is a brief historical uh, diversion. When uh, Gandhi called on the last British governor of uh, Bengal, just before it was divided, it became West Bengal. Burroughs was his name, Frederick Burroughs. Burroughs asked him, he had a few more months to go, what should my role be? Rather rich coming from the governor of the British Raj to, to Gandhi. But Gandhi said something which is constitutionally impeccable. What should you do, Your Excellency? Nothing. Nothing. Power now rests with the elected representative. This is what he told Governor Burroughs. But the same Gandhi, a few months on into independence, speaking to governors in free India, also said, you are not rubber stamps. You are not rubber stamps. You have moral authority which you can influence which you can use to influence the public life of your state. It's not his exact words, but more or less his exact words. Not a rubber stamp, but with moral authority. Yeah. We'll come back to this in a moment, Mr. Gandhi. I just want to bring Shadan into the conversation. Mr. Farasat, what is your sense of, you know, the role of the governor, especially uh, we, we also have this instance uh, in Tamil Nadu where uh, the Tamil Nadu governor, R.N. Ravi, has rejected a bill that seeks to exempt state students from uh, the NEET examination. What is your sense of that decision and uh, you know what role does it play in our public life? Yes, uh, the role of the governor, constitutionally speaking, is quite well defined. I mean, Article 163 is quite clear that uh, the governor is bound by the aid and advice of the Council of Ministers. And that system is effectively uh, the system of parliamentary democracy we have taken from Britain, which is the system we have both in the center as also in the respective states in India. That is, although a government is run in the name of the president or the governor, the real power in that government exercises uh, is with the elected wing and it's they who exercise it. And the role of the governor or the president as it may be, with some differences of course, are effectively just nominal. Having said that, uh, of course, governors have a ability, as do presidents, to engage with the government at a private level in terms of encouraging a certain behavior 
you know, as a constitutional head or to point out to the government, uh, the executive that something is wrong. But those are things which are in effect what I would call a power to persuade as a constitutional head. What is what we are seeing in, I'll come to Tamil Nadu, but what we are seeing in West Bengal is uh, quite extraordinary, really speaking, that the governor on social media openly expresses disagreement every day in and out with the policies of the government. Now, the governor as a nominal head of the state cannot have a view different from the elected government uh, or at least express it publicly. If he has a view, he has to engage with the council of ministers and with the chief minister who's the head. Uh, that's the constitutional mechanism we follow uh, to, uh, you know, to publicly disagree day in, day out. That is uh, completely unacceptable in our constitutional setup. Insofar as uh, Tamil Nadu is concerned, I think the challenge there is, uh, which is a continuation of what we have seen in the past, as Mr. Gandhi pointed out, that governors have acted as effectively agents of the center and really to that extent uh, put down the elected government of the day. Now, the governor may have a view that uh, uh, exemption from NEET is not necessary. Uh, the legislature of, uh, uh, of Tamil Nadu has passed a legislation. To the extent there are some constitutional issues involved, if there is uh, some conflict with either a central law, or which, will uh, which raises the issues of repugnancy, a presidential assent may, if at all, be required. But it is not there for the governor to reject it or send it back. Uh, in any event, I understand it has now been reiterated and it's going to be sent back to the governor. So it is uh, at the highest if there is an issue of repugnancy, he has to place, he has to flag that issue of repugnancy and place it before the president. That is the scheme of our constitution. So uh, just for our listeners, so what happens now, now that the uh, deed bill has been readopted by the Tamil Nadu Assembly, Mr. Farasat? Uh, does the governor have to give assent or can he send it to the president still? No, there is, of course, if there is an issue of repugnancy which arises, uh, he will have to send it to the pre president. It's not for the governor that power uh, to, uh, uh, to undo repugnancy as it were is only with the president acting on the aid and advice of the central government. That is the uh, union cabinet uh, uh, and council of ministers. So, if that is the issue, then he will have to send it just because there is reiteration that by itself will not change that. However, it is just a, a, a reiteration effectively shows that whatever reservations the governor may have had, those have been reconsidered or considered by the legislature and the legislature still holds its view in terms of passing that legislation. So that's a reiteration of that. And to that extent, it's that much more weightier. Uh, but if for issue of repugnancy, the power lies solely with the president. Right. Mr. Gandhi, you were governor of West Bengal from 2004 to 2009. Uh, your comments on the Nandigram issue didn't go down very well with the state government of the day. Tell us a little bit about what your experience was. How was it to be a governor of a state like West Bengal for five years? As I said, it is very important for there to be a dialogue between the chief minister and the, and the governor. And it sometimes happens that the dialogue cracks, it breaks down, but the issue involved is still alive. Now, it's important for us to know uh, that while the constitution and the law is absolutely clear about the role of the governor, the governor can only act on the aid and advice of the government, but the governor is also accountable in a sense to the people of the state. 
uh, he can't be having a conversation with the people of the state over the head of the government or behind the back of the government. That would be wrong. That is also something which is unhealthy, even if it is technically possible. But there can be occasions when the governor and the public are on what is called and what has been called by President Kaya Naranen, as I was saying, along the grain of a commonly held view. And if that has been reiterated by the governor to the chief minister and to the government very intensely and repeatedly and has not been taken on board and then something explodes in the face of the people, in the face of the state, like it did in Nandigra, I don't think anybody would be surprised if the governor were to express his anguish, his uh, dismay to the people. And the only way that can be done is through channels of the media. Now, you are right in saying that it did not go well down, did not go down well with, with the government. But it's also true that it it did go down well with the state's polity, which included many persons in the ruling front, many constituents of the state government, many members of the assembly who were in the ruling party. They did not object to it, rather the opposite. If I had gone on and on and on about it, that would have been incorrect, apart from being indecorous. I made one statement to the media on the night of the shooting and firing and killing of 14 persons uh, as counted. And that was that. And that had its own impact. That's all I could say now. That's all I want to recall now. I also, let me just say one more thing. That uh, Chief Minister Bhattacharya was extraordinarily civil about this. He told me what he, what he felt about that whole episode, which belongs to uh, the uh, honor of a conversation. So I, I neither then uh, nor later and nor now going to go into what he said. But he, he spoke honestly, frankly, and very civilly about what he felt and what I have said. So uh, picking up from uh, there, um, uh, Mr. Farasat, uh, I think what Mr. Gandhi is referring to is perhaps a more genteel time in our politics, uh, you know, when disagreements, uh, you know, could be behind closed doors and on occasion in the public domain, if it was called for. Do you think that genteel time has passed in our politics and we are witnessing a new, very polarized kind of situation? So my sense is that, uh, yes, there was possibly a time which was relatively more genteel. But there has never been a time where the relationship between governor and chief minister, especially when there's different governments in the state and the center, the relationship has been entirely genteel. So with that caveat, yes, what we are seeing is that in terms of the degrees of worsening and the methods which are now uh, involved, for instance, uh, you know, uh, occasional one-time issue on a uh, you know on uh, firing to make a statement, which of course led to loss of lives from uh, you know the state, is very different qualitatively from uh, everyday parallel commentary being done by a governor on Twitter on the day-to-day -day functioning of the government. So I think we certainly have the degrees has changed so much that it now looks like a very different animal. So that is and uh, that is therefore quite true. But the problems 
uh, in governor versus state elected government relationship has always existed. Sometimes it may be on account of, uh, as Mr. Gandhi says, you have to raise uh, a moral issue on a very important issue of concern to the state or certain event. But that is not somebody acting at the behest of the center. So that is in a different realm. But historically, the problem has been when the governor has acted at the behest of the ruling party which, at the center, which is different from the ruling party in the state. And those schisms have only become deeper with the extent um, of the spread of social media. Uh, there is a constant now commentary. And I think uh, things are much worse than they were earlier. To get you uh, back on this, uh, Mr. Gandhi, what is your sense? I mean, uh, do we need to relook at the role of the governor? I mean, it's, it's not new what is happening. Uh, there have been disputes. There have been issues in the past. And all ruling parties have been accused of, you know, putting people in of their choice in particular states, especially. So how does India deal with this issue? What is the solution if there is one to this problem? I think we should uh, remind ourselves of what has been said about the constitution. Famously said, by Dr. Ambedkar himself, and then later by President Narayanan, that uh, the fault is not in the constitution, but in those who run it. Uh, and uh, I would also say that we cannot talk about the role of the governor needing a relook uh, without saying the role of the president needs a relook. If uh, the country cannot uh, do without a president, I don't see how a state can do without a governor who is virtually representing the president in the state. I also feel that uh, the office of the governor should be seen by its best examples, not by its broken examples. And if we look at the best examples, it's hard to find because a broken image draws more attention than a full image. Uh, hard to find. But it is there. It is very much there. And even today, I would say that without disagreeing with all that we have talked about, the overall decline, without disagreeing with that, I would say that the, uh, the states in which uh, the governor uh, has been appointed by the present ruling dispensation in the, in the center uh, and, this, and the state of uh, different political crisis, uh, the states in which their equation is not what we have seen it to be in West Bengal. They are working with uh, some degree of cordiality, perhaps with some difficult uh, moments, but nonetheless with cordiality. And that says a lot about the office of the governor and the and the incumbents of both the governor's office and the chief minister's office. We've had uh, BJP appointee governors uh, in some several months during the UPA government. Mr. T. N. Chaturvedi was governor of uh, Karnataka for quite some time after uh, the government had changed. He had been appointed by the BJP. That made no difference at all. The lieutenant governor of the Andamans was uh, Mr. Ram Kapsi uh, with an RSS background. He was not changed at all by the government. UPA government, which was a perfectly good arrangement. It worked exceedingly well. So we must see the, the governor's role as And finally, really, the governor is head of state. It's not an official designation. That's what he is often called. But he's really kind of head of the family of uh, the state's quality. And as such, he or she commands a kind of automatic respect. Uh, which is very often squandered by the incumbent, but more importantly, preserved and served. And a governor who has done five years and left without either being afraid of unpopularity 
and equally without trying to court popularity, that governor is an ideal governor. Right. To get back to the issue, Mr. Gandhi, would you suggest, uh, you know, there have been times, there have been reports that there have been occasions in which uh, the union government of the day may have informally sounded out a chief minister before appointing a governor. You think that is a possible uh, solution to get around uh, the issue of personalities or, uh, you know, that time has passed and uh, we will have to deal with the incumbents that we have? The time for uh, correct and integrative procedure can never be passed. Uh, that time is both uh, present and in future. And so I would say the convention of uh, the union government, the president, uh, the home minister and the prime minister, sounding, off the, sounding out the chief minister about the appointment of the union government is a very wholesome and healthy convention. Uh, it is a convention. And if it is uh, observed in the breach, then the beginning of the governor's incumbency is to that extent um, rocky. But if it has been followed, then it is not. It is also perfectly possible that uh, the, the, the chief minister, not having been sounded, can find in the governor a perfectly uh, genial uh, senior colleague, head of the system, to work with. So, yes, sounding out is, is a desirable convention. But much more important, much more important, is the selection of the person. And there, apart from the very first few years under Jawaharlal Nehru, when persons of uh, integrity, though not without political affiliation, because many of them were Congress persons, and that is that was the pool from which the governors had to be found. Those persons appointed at that time were really persons who shed their political bias. They became dead to bias as soon as they entered Rajna. That has not been the case in subsequent years. It's certainly not the case during Mrs. Indira Gandhi's uh, prime ministership. And fortunately, it was also not the case when the government that uh, that uh, defeated Indira Gandhi, the party that defeated Indira Gandhi became uh, the government of the day. Governors were dismissed in all the states in India, I think barring one or two, when Mr. D.P. Singh took over. It was singularly unfortunate. Uh, it is also true that Article 36, which uh, we talked about, 39 times Mrs. Gandhi invoked it, 39 times. But the next government also invoked it, I think, something like nine times in that brief period. So much depends on the person. I must here say that the governors who just signed the recommendation for presidents who did not any service to either the constitution or to their own conscience. But the few governors who may have demurred and who have not been noticed are the governors who have really done service. And here I must mention the example of Mr. B.K. Nehru in Jammu and Kashmir. His autobiography gives all the details. But his views, which ran counter to those of Mrs. Indira Gandhi, are a shining example of a governor who can be independent even in the context of 356 and other policy directives from the center regarding the state. Right. Uh, Mr. Farasat, our constitution envisages a delicate balance between the center and states, you know, which an assertive uh, union government can upset. I mean, uh, with the rise of quite powerful state leaders, 
how is this issue going to be addressed uh, uh, you know in the weeks and months ahead yeah i think there is always a balance to be drawn the constitution as originally envisaged had a pro central uh, government tilt because we were coming from um, you know a national movement and there were concerns about how well the federation will hold up but in practice when we look at it uh, we have federated quite well there have been political movements uh, there have been different political parties and all those aspirations have been uh, you know we have been able to take note of it and uh, uh, make it part of the political process through effective federalism so it has broadly i mean if you look at the larger picture of what is federalism meant for uh, we really have to that extent succeeded uh now in that context if there are differences of course the best way to resolve the differences if both sides are uh, you know approaching it bona fide is through a discussion and uh, the governor as a nominee of the center and the elected chief minister can always discuss and if uh, there is bona fide engagement that can be resolved of course if there is party positioning alone which is guiding uh, you know the governor who's been appointed by a certain political party then it's unlikely to be uh, resolved through discussion and a median ground be found in that case of course it's essential that courts function effectively because that's when the disputes go to the courts unfortunately our courts uh, the problem is that even important constitutional matters uh, including uh, concerning some of the issues of federation federal setup have been kept pending uh, one of the examples is uh, the jammu and kashmir issue of course there are two issues involved in the jammu and kashmir matter which has now been pending for over two years one is 370 itself but the other is uh, the conversion of a full fledged state from a state to union territory without even taking the views of the assembly of that state now that second issue will equally apply to any other state in india and uh, it is a effectively very essential for understanding federalism and for now if in 2024 the supreme court were to hear this matter what uh, so much would have gone in between between 2019 and 14 so to answer your question when things don't work out through uh, engagement and statesmanship uh, it's the courts which have to uh, give a answer and they must give the answer quickly uh, unfortunately that does not seem to be happening today so if we see uh, a very powerful central government which is able to reduce uh, you know a state to a union territory we also see very powerful chief ministers and regional parties uh, which are making demands uh, and expressing their rights uh, of their states so how how does uh, how does this uh, going to work out in practice i mean uh, with with the courts not taking a view uh, would this kind of status quo simply just continue No I think each dispute raises its own challenge uh, on some disputes uh, you know the, the federated uh, entity will have to be given more weight on some issues uh, the central government's position uh, may have to be given uh, more weight so I don't think there can be a you know a answer uh, as to what would be the solution there is no one solution it arises on each facts to facts case but uh, if it is not being decided then of course we enter a realm of constitutional dysfunction and uh, there is a serious problem there and i'm afraid uh, that is uh, some kind of a situation we already are in the context of uh, federalism in india there is constitutional dysfunction in a lot of different contexts jammu and kashmir is one example uh, on federation and constitutional dysfunction but there are other examples as well and i think uh, 
it's all the more important therefore to remind the judiciary including our supreme court that you know when these disputes come they must be decided quickly i'll give you example in 2016 there was an issue in arunachal the reported judgment of nebam rebia it's a five judge bench decision it was done very quickly and, and i mean you know that is that resolved the issue quickly so these things are very time sensitive and once the politi- uh, the politicians are not able to work out within the constitutional realm the courts must act and we should not let the constitutional dysfunction uh, you know prosper uh, my last question is to mr gandhi mr gandhi what is your sense of this um, uh, uh, balance between the center and states in the country today and how this is going to play out the balance between the center and the states has been envisioned by the framers of the constitution i don't think a finer structure Uh, in architectural and engineering terms the engineering and architectural coefficient of federalism could have been thought of it's an extraordinary balance and in making that balance stay and work the president of india has an extraordinary role and i think in the appointment of governors again the president of india has a huge role because in that balance the glue is provided by the governors they are the glue which holds this house together without drawing attention to itself it's just making the jointures the crevices strong and that is where i know from experience having worked with two presidents in his in their secretaries the presidents have spoken candidly about names that have come to them from the prime minister the day about governors uh, appointees and the president has said sorry i don't think this is a very good name and the prime minister the day has accepted it and so in the choice of the governors the presidents have a huge role and if those governors are appointed with care then the balance is to that extent more secure uh, we leave it uh, there for today Thank you so much Mr Gopal Krishna Gandhi and Mr Shadan Parasat for talking to the Hindus Pali podcast. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for having me.